0: we're not smoking, we're not cursing, we you know, when are not when we're not doing all those things from sun to sundown. But then what happens if the discipline is not um if if, if if the discipline is not manifested correctly, then what happens is you're only doing that. You're only doing those things during that time. So what ends up happening a lot of time, a lot of times, or at least for me, in, in the community of Muslims that I knew is that you know, they they would refrain from these things during sunlight hours, but as soon as the sun went down, they couldn't wait to fornicate, or mm-hmm. couldn't wait to have sex, you know, or couldn't wait to um do these things that they were withholding throughout you know, throughout the day. And so at the end of the thirty days, even though we would have the uh, the big beast and all of that other stuff. Like People would, you know, immediately go back into that behavior. But the, and, and so to me, it just defied what the whole purpose of Ramadan was about, because the whole purpose of Ramadan really was to make you a better person. Right. But a lot of times we we went back to to being the person that we want that we were praying to Ramadan. So Ramadan just became this ritualistic thing as opposed to a light thing.
1: That is correct, sir. Um, I know in the nation, um, we fasted um, with one meal a day, every day, to give us a daily reminder that um, we had to abstain not only from food, but indulgences and um, the temperance uh, movement in the late 1800s was about that um abstaining from alcohol but women got involved in that temperance movement of abstaining from alcohol which in um the 18th amendment became the prohibition of alcohol in 1918 and that lasted till 1933. I think the prohibition of alcohol wasn't ratified until 1920 in Congress and became law. And it was repealed um, some 13 years later. 1933 became December 4th, 1933 became the year that they repealed the alcohol. And it was also the beginning in Europe of World War II. Uh, we wouldn't join into the World War until 1940, 1941, as Americans. But um, world politics was a part of the very right to get women's votes and to get equality that we all can appreciate now and in the fact that we can all have the right to vote not only in America but in the European countries as well um somehow there was a cog in the will will w h e e l that was pushing this paradigm shift um to not only give white privileged men the right to Um, enjoy freedoms and liberties and to decide how government would be established and controlled but it it gave each individual a right in the participation of that very auspicious um, endeavor. Interesting
0: to hear you talk about that because I know you and I have gone back and forth extensively about voting and the value of voting. Uh, but just using this historical content context, it speaks volumes to why, um, voting, at least in my perspective, um, is an important and a valuable thing. And, and I'm, my biggest argument has always been, um, you know is and has always been a big thing so much of a big thing that um, people have lost their lives and continue to lose their lives um, for the right to vote and so to trivialize the right to vote was a big thing for me because
1: hello hello the dawn, you have just accessed
0: the Versace Experience. Versace experience. About a woman you already know.
1: We are back in the F universe. I don't know what the hell happened, but um, it sounded like your ear went out of, or something. Well, I don't know what happened either, but I was giving
2: a whole spiel. And looked I
1: it up. As soon as you started talking, it cut off on me. And I thought it was you because it's had the same familiar sound, like your ear pods had run out of battery. And I was trying to get oh, wow. you back, or at least um, let you hear me, but it just kicked me right out of um, Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah.
2: Nope.
1: Um, I ain't gonna take the chance with Zoom or any of them, for that matter. I got you on phone and I'm recording with my voice. Um, that little app that's automatically included in your phone, voice memos. So we're recording on that now because everything that we've done seems to have failed for some strange reason and rather than take a chance on any more distractions or failures i said let me just call you on the phone uh before you lose your train of thought i wanted you to continue yeah so
2: i i think what, what i was saying was i mean she and i have gone back and forth um with this whole thing about voting and the validity of voting or the value of voting. And I was saying that um, I think from what what you talked about uh, few minutes ago speaks volumes to the validity of voting and the historical content of voting. And to me, um, just hearing um, the the language that you use and the what, uh, what you, uh, articulated about voting as a, as, as related to, to women, um, you know, years later, after the 15th Amendment, and then them getting that right to vote, I think that, um, you know, we have to be careful, I think, about trivializing what voting has meant historically in this country, and the, the, the fight in the right to vote in this country and, and what that means. Because I, I, I know my biggest argument has always been that um trivializing the the right to vote or trivializing voting period um a lot about our accomplishment and who we are the people in this country. Because all the rights that we have have come through the voting release. Oh, if, if it's not voted upon, you know, and mean law, then it doesn't count. And so the, the whole, um, women, you know, women getting their right to vote and making that law which is, was big. And I think that, um, what we have to understand or uh, what we need to understand is the value, the privilege of voting. And exercising that right to vote, and I'm not saying that voting is the end or the deal, but what I am saying is that there is a lot, there is a lot that has put in stake in terms of voting, and to to, to minimize voting and what voting has meant in this country, I think is
0: detrimental.
1: Yes, sir. This is DFN Universe. It is three twenty three a.m on a saturday night when we could be partying but we are here having a conversation putting it out into the universe um a mental exercise in black power thinking and just thinking in general being logical instead of being partying uh if you would like to join the conversation we are at three four seven seven five four seven four four zero um we're experiencing some technical difficulties but um the show must go on um i don't even know how, what the time limit is right now but um to continue well
0: i'm looking at the time right now it's time at
2: 324 and the time is this phone call Right now, it's five
1: minutes and about eighteen seconds. That is correct, uh, sir. Okay. Um, we'll go to the twenty-minute mark and then we'll break it down to an another segment. Uh, to continue the the discussion on temperance, um, what uh, the women of white women and some black women that were included because we're still in the post-slavery Reconstruction era and um, the privileges of black women were very limited and though although the union had won the war um, and they participated along with white women for the right to vote in the late 1800s and that became law, uh, the 19th Amendment, in uh, 1920, giving women the right to vote. Um, Although it said women had the right to vote, it was not inclusive of uh, black women and any rights for black men to vote in... That was given at least by the 1870s was repealed during reconstruction in the south so if you weren't in any northern city your right to vote may have been violated even though you were a black man uh, frederick douglas had some um, animosity towards the woman's suffrage or women's voting privilege Due to those uh, discrepancies that didn't let black men vote in the South, even though the 14th and 15th Amendment gave black men that right and that um, privilege. Dr. Moore? Oh, I just wanted some feedback. Okay,
2: so yeah, I just wanna be clear about um I wanna be clear about what, what I'm um, um responding to because it, it sounds like that you were, you were stating some facts. Um I don't I know I mean, it I heard yeah, an argument so um
1: Women got involved into the um, repeal of alcohol because they saw it as a catalyst to get women the right to vote. There was a discrepancy between who women would be defined as, and it was certainly not attributable to black women and that is where Frederick Douglass had a discrepancy with the women's suffrage or women's privilege to vote movement in the late 1800s. They did get um, women's right to vote passed in 1920 but it did not include black women although they were part of that movement. and That is where the racial um, stigmatism to that uh, movement um, was attributed. Yeah, so um, I don't know, I I
2: feel a lot of ways about that. that. Um, Because if we're going to go back to the 19th Amendment in the 1920s and what it meant For women getting the right to vote is almost equivalent to, in my opinion, um, the Fifteenth Amendment in giving black people the right to vote. Right, and even though it says uh, black people that black wasn't inclusive wasn't inclusive for black women. Right, so it almost I almost see the same thing because you really don't see white women voting. It, you know, in large numbers in the nineteen twenty. You do not know, see white women being, um, active participants in that movement until after World War II. Right? And that was after uh, the white men went off to war, you know, and white women started to take their jobs because the white men were away. And so when white men came back, they wanted their jobs, and white women didn't want to give up that lifestyle, and so they Begin to protest and burn their bras and all that other stuff. So, um, I, I, I think historically, um, black women and black men have historically played a role, a large role, you know, in um, getting those rights established and using books. Um, but those rights, in reality, were not manifested, you know, until years and years and years later. So, for white women, you really don't see that representation in terms of them voting until after World War II. For um, so black women, you know, much later probably, um, around the late 1960 in terms of them really becoming involved in, in voting. Um, and the same thing with, with black men, even though they had the right to vote. Uh, you, I think you talked about reconstruction, or reconstruction reconstruction the early, which was in the late 1800s, early 1900s. after the the Civil War, you had a lot of black men like Robert Smalls getting different others who had become um, senators and um, uh, representatives and and, and were were active in high office government. But then you see, you did begin to see um, how they became disenfranchised. And how they were uh, removed from those offices, and you don't see a resurgence of black people in in political office, at least not in high political office. Uh, again, after the late 1800s, early 1900s, you don't see black you don't see a resurgence of black people again until like the 1960s.
1: Yes, sir. Um... There's a uh, professor from the uh, University of Miami um, that's a local to Ohio. And um, she was giving this lecture on um, uh, uh, Helen Hamilton. Um, and she's like the, the, the face of women's rights and um, the passing of the um, 19th Amendment uh, for voting rights for women, and the, um, the precursor to the Me Too movement. She was involved with um, somebody, she was the youngest principal. Uh, she became a principal of the education system in, um, of all places, Sandusky, Ohio. That would be, if anybody knows um, Sandusky, that's where um, there's this guy, um, what was his name, Sandusky, that was involved in some scandal with boys. But nevertheless, that's not important. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you can have the um, Penn State coach. Right, there you go. But she was in Sandusky, Ohio and she was in an affair with a married man that was um, like the um, superintendent of principals for the Board of Education. And um, the scandal came out that, that she was involved with this man and she was only 22 years old and she had become the youngest principal ever put into a position. And she was a woman um, at such a young age, and they they figured that there was an association, a nefarious association with the fact that she was so young and appointed as a principal of a school and having an affair with this man. And what that did was begin her um, fight for women's rights. In the 18, late 1800s, up into the late 1800s, women... And when you said women's rights, so was this a white woman? Yes,
2: sir.
1: Yes, sir. Okay, and and so
2: when you said women's rights, was
1: that inclusive of black women? Yes, Uh, they were part um, part of the movement, but um, she was one of the ones that said that um, we cannot include black women because it would mess up rights for uh, white women by including them. That was one of the discrepancies that Frederick Douglass had with the movement, that um, although women were fighting alongside, black women were fighting alongside white women for the right to vote, that um, officially um, the movement was not acknowledging any black women to have that right to vote and that this was only for white women. And one of the campaign uh, mantras or, or mottos was that you give these monkeys, black men, the right to vote before you give white women the right to vote. So although Ellen Hamilton was not a part of that nonsense, She was the one, this is her critical role in the women's right to vote movement. She was the one that had been part of a scandal in Ohio, and she moved to upstate New York, um, Seneca, New York, and she changed her name. And she was one of the ones that had the, um, that, expanded the temperance movement, which was the abstinence from alcohol, a Christian movement. She got it to um, change the right um, to for a woman to consent to sex from seven. There were women that were um, exploited for sex and marriage even as early as seven years old in some states, it was legal for women to be um, betrothed or or given to a person for marriage at seven years old. But she was the one that got the the age of consent moved up to uh, 14 to 16 years old. Eventually, another woman would uh, come in and the age of consent became 18 years old. So I just wanted to put that history out there for women in general, um, not as a debate to you, but just um, information that would prompt women to understand the movement and where they fit in that movement and how women are still exploited to this day. And, um something that would be empowering for them to study
2: yeah well I think there's a couple of things there's always two things for me that stick out in these um when you talk about Frederick Douglass and his role um one thing that disturbs me about Frederick Douglass and his role or what you were talking about with him was that um he you seems to be a complex man to me in that you know, he when she was married to a black woman. Um when, he, when he, um, when she died, he married a white woman and um his Frederick Douglass House, which is he didn't these T C and healthy, um uh his his, his last day and his most common day were his days with his white wife, as opposed to his black is black and white white. So I I happen to be a public um black man to me in terms of his whole identity because I um you know and this large as he is and this, um given to his home which is a historical site here in Washington D C um I I he, he seemed to be a very interesting person to me because he was putting on born in slavery and then escaped slavery and then became like this freedom fighter or abolitionist for um uh people that were that were enslaved. But he ultimately ended up with this white woman that he as I felt like somehow validated him in who he was or oh, who he thought really was a labor being so that, that's just an interesting part about it. The, uh, the other part, um, uh, what you were just talking about in terms of, um, uh, who that person, who the woman was that you were talking about and her role in being an activist for, for women and, and women's rights and all stuff. I think there's a component that's left out of that in that I don't think that she was alone, because what also happened during that time was, uh, I think what helped her movement, probably wouldn't but during that movement, what, what was um, really paramount, was they were not only abusing women, and underage women, but they were abusing children, period, um, male and female. And so what, what was happening is, uh, in addition to those laws being affected for, for women, but they were affected across the globe of a children. Because if you remember, um manufacturing companies where, uh, people worked in, uh, mills and textile, co- you know, companies and things like that, people worked in factories, they were utilizing children in those factories also, male and female. And so what happened in the media movement really, really was that those laws, um were able to be passed for females, people, uh, females and female children, is that they needed to cross the board because they were really being, uh, children really and exploited and abused. And so not only were those laws affected for kids, but they also became affected with just children across the board, and then not only children across the board, but also the, the seven day work week, because what ended up happening was as a result, um, where there used to be the workings, um, sun up and sun down. But because of those uh new male uh children um that, that you now begin to have an eight hour shift and you now that you now begin to have a five hour and that's about five day work week so that's where those always began to come in place all at the same time but it was all because of underage children so you got the um uh the truth the the, like the children's right um to, to work meaning that if you were under you weren't required and you, could by law, you couldn't um you couldn't work because they were working children like you were working adults. So that law became um, paramount at that time also. Also that seven day a week, um, work law became uh, prominent because they stopped working people from, you know, Sunday to Sunday. Now it was just five days a week. And then that, the eight hour work week also became prominent at that time. And all of that was critical because
1: of what happens to the children that they do Yes, sir. And we are at the 23, 24-minute mark in the FN universe. And uh, that will conclude our first segment. And we'll be right back after these messages. Peace. Just a little clarification on... Um, Helen Hamilton Gardner, G-A-R-D-E-N-N-E-R. This was her pseudo name, but she made it her official name. Uh, she was born in Winchester, Virginia, and um, she moved. Um, was a schoolteacher, um at some point and that's when the scandal of being with a married man was um became her her namesake and so her namesake before um being Helen Hamilton Gardner, her pen name when she was writing novels, her first name that she was born with was Alice Chennelworth. Chennelworth C-H-E-N-O-W-E-T-H. Alice Chenoweth. And um, she was a part of the women's suffrage and the temperance movement. And she went on to do great things. It's a real important history of uh, women's rights in America and something that you should look into yourself. The other correction I had to make was it wasn't in um, Seneca, New York, that she moved. She moved to New York City with her then husband. um, And she moved from Cincinnati, Ohio, not Sandusky, Ohio. Uh, Please forgive the corrections. This is a dark American comedy, so we don't always have all of the facts. And we'll be right back after these messages. To me. And we are back in DFN Universe. This is uh, Black Power Thinking. And we are having a discussion in Women's History Month on women's issues as black men. And no, um uh, we do not speak for women. I, as you reminded me yesterday, we have to be careful not to... Um, think that we can articulate for women when they have the right to articulate for themselves. Um, Given that precursor, nevertheless, we endeavor to continue to honor that tribute to women this month and for every month and on a daily basis to recognize the power of women and their significant role in history and in social um, justice and whatever else is to become of us as the human species. They're an integral part of um, that narrative. Welcome back, Dr. Moore. So you mean to tell me
2: anything that women are are an integral part of history? surely no one would try to
1: trivialize that um at as it relates to woman, are, are you telling me that that is the case that that there's an argument that no I'm being And I'm trying to wonder what the hell are you talking about <laughs> because that, that's an obvious thing but, now know, there I mean, are people you know, out there that think like that and that's why we yeah, have, it, have to have these and conversations we, yeah yeah I,
2: I that's why we did the pieces because I'm like <laughs> like like who, like who could be so ignorant? you know you know but you know again you know what's funny about it and I was a little funny at all but um to 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 actually trivialize women, black women, or like women, period, in terms of um, who they are as people, right? And think that because you are male, because whatever, that women are as equal or as powerful or equal equal a powerful. It's, you know, it's one thing, you know, but also, like with
0: this whole ideology about telling women,
2: what they can do with their body. Hmm. Right. You know, and, and what is weird what's, and what's really crazy about it to me is men, you know, mostly over well, we say historically, it has been old white men hmm. telling women what they what they can and cannot do with their bodies. Um you know, it's it, in modern, we do have some uh, modernism in that, um women that feel like Men should tell them what to do with their body, but you know, but the but, but, but that thing um, to me, um, to think that you can do that, you know, because I can imagine or can't imagine a woman telling men what they can and cannot do with their body hmm. because it, it, and here's the funny thing, right. Well, it's not funny. But here's the thing, right? So, men don't tell women that they can't have an abortion. Hey, you know, I, here's how I feel about it, right? Um, I'm a woman's is going to tell us that, you know, women shouldn't have an abortion. Forget it, right? But, um, and I grew up moving that and following it and all that. I um, don't I hear that that uh, analogy male, I think that a woman has the right to... to, to and do whatever she wants to do with her body. Um, exactly. but, but to make that law and say what women can and cannot do with their body, I think it's absolutely, emphatically, you know, wrong. And I just think the nerve of someone trying to tell a woman or a man what they can do with their body, is I, I, I think, you know, I, I think it's a wrong. wrong.
1: I totally agree it's um part of the struggle that we have to go through that um to continue the discussion that we were having earlier the um the women of England, white women, were in the same struggle as simultaneously with uh the white women of this new america that was forging forth um under this democracy um the difference in the woman's suffrage in uh america to that of england was the women in england were supposedly considered terrorists They had a a whole different strategy to getting women the right to vote, including destroying property, which they associated with white men as being the very nature of the archaic and um, exploitive um, laws that were giving women no say in their own governance or their own self-determination. And they decided in England, the white women in England, to um, destroy property, um, including trying to um, destroy um, the parliament building or at least attacking a a parliament building, um, in an effort to make sure that women's rights were not overlooked or marginalized. It it was interesting to see their history. And in 1898, in England, white women had the right to vote. Just a bit of history that um, hopefully would give women that may listen to this podcast a little appetite to see where we came from and where we're going um given the um nowadays women's rights seems to veer off to the left in that they want the right to be promiscuous that they should know the history of it and how women were exploited for their promiscuity as being a reason why they needed to have laws to make sure that they were subjugate. your thoughts mm. Mm. i don't know how i
2: feel about that but um I think have um, in a lot of ways have been um the screen didn't get and been exploited in the same way that African American people in the country have been have, have been exploited. Um, but I think that a lot of that has come um, from the people that were that has historically been in power, which is white men. And, and I think that their desire to be in control um, and to dominate, you know, that's historically,
1: you know, impacted women and impacted people of color in this country, because we've been in this country, men and women. Yes, sir. And on a lighter note, um that very subjugation of women um by white men has come back to haunt them, or at least there's an underground movement that um, w- wants to emasculate white men yeah. <laughs> Not just to the Me Too movement. There's a sexual movement that wants to um, emasculate white men. It's um, not called feminism, but it, it's called um, To Destroy the Patriarchy. In order for feminism to thrive sexually, they have this movement um that says that um white men should worship women instead of um the other way around have you heard anything about that I have not I don't <laughs> <thinking
2: about it. laughs>
1: do, you, do, you okay, s- do you, the it brings back the conversation that we had yesterday. There's this conversation that we had that there are two types of males. One is going to be the alpha male. The other is going to be a simp. And uh, we got cut off on this conversation that we were having about um, vagina power and the ability of uh, women to manipulate men to get the things that they want. Um, One of the things that I, I discovered in my little history lesson today Uh, just watching um different segments on women's history for women's right to vote, women's right to um determine what's right for their bodies and just uh women in religion and this um temperance movement they wanted um rights and they knew that white men had a hold over everybody's rights because the white men owned property. And the way to dismantle that patriarchy was to attack the property, which is what I tell you the movement was in England. And um, in general, the movement, an underground movement that's occurring now, is to get men to obey rather than to be equal. Equal will not be enough according to some feminist movements or feminist um, ideology. Equality is not the way to go because the patriarchy will eventually go right back to destroying the privileges that have been women have fought so hard for. Have you seen feminism to be anti-male? I guess that's the question I'm asking. I do. I I
2: absolutely
1: do. Um, Would you care to expound, sir? Yep, I can, and I will (laughs)
2: expound with with its its cleaner.
1: (laughs) And and saying that um that I have no knowledge. Go ahead, brother, I'm just joking. Um I'm I'm, no that's fine. But I want to say
2: that um the claim of that that I'm gonna put out here is that um this is my opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not fact, it's my opinion. Um but uh As it relates to the feminist for me, I have a problem with it. I have a problem with it as it relates to black women. Um, And I think that black women don't know the history. Again, this is very suggestive. And so, in the future, a woman is going to respond, and she's going to respond by saying, Oh, I know the history because I'm saying that I feel like they don't. And so they're going to be the research. I encourage you to do so. Um, because i also to say that the famous movement began with white women. It didn't begin with, with black women. It began with white women. Black women joined onto to a movement that was not inclusive of them. They now, in like contemporary days, feel like they are part of that movement. But they are part of the movement that was not inclusive of them in the beginning. Now, if they feel right now that they are part of it. fine. Um, but it did not begin with them. And what I would say from a historical perspective is that black men, for the most part, have not ever been in control of black women. We have not been the male. There may be um, exceptions to the rule where black men have had some control over black women, but uh, the matriarch of the black community, the matriarch of the black family, has always been the woman. It's not been the black man. So, um, it's confusing to me when black women consider themselves feminists, um, because I feel like, personally, that the black man and black woman have been in a fight together, intentionally or not intentionally, they have been in a fight together, um, to gain independence, to gain freedom, to gain justice and equality. Um, so I don't understand black female feminism as it to black men because I don't know in any situation or or any economic level where black men are dominating black men You may be individual cases, but I don't think that as a whole, black men have the power to dominate black
1: women.
2: That's how I feel.
1: Yes sir. Um, to continue with the um, notion of um, property Um, women feeling like they were property and that um, the reason that they feel like they were property is because the property owners were of a specific um, genetic makeup and uh, yeah, biological, biological makeup.
2: makeup. But how does that tie into black women and black men? A black woman may have felt like she was
1: property. but she was a black man. Yeah, I, 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 I have a problem with understanding a black woman feeling like she was as well as a
2: black men. that's a good question <laughs> to bring up to black women. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm just saying, I mean, and, and, and while sexism and all that they existed and there were strong black men so to speak, you don't have enough, I, in my opinion you don't have enough history where black men in the family have been met dumb. you have some stories of black fathers having been there probably been there you probably have more no stories of black fathers having not been there but even Black daughters being there. I don't know um, the story of black women owning like property, being married to a black man. There may be some situations like that, in you know, the black man will, the black male was, you know, dominant, of, you know, or controlling. But um, property, I don't. Uh, You know, maybe I have an issue with that word. But I I definitely think that uh, black men were probably problematic in terms of how they saw themselves. And maybe they were um, old school school black men were um, probably trying to assert themselves in their household in terms of being a dominant figure. But black men properly I, I, I think that's a stretch I think you know I I don't know I, again I think that's a stretch I don't know um, the feasibility of that um, but what I will do is I will offer empathy which I can um, um, understand my empathy in terms of black women if they want to describe not modern day women, black women but older Black women, if that's what it is, so I can understand it. Definitely not in contemporary day. In contemporary day, there's no black woman that's making an argument. That's the problem, in my opinion,
1: that she feels like property in her home. Because there ain't no black man in modern day telling no black woman nothing. Just to clarify, when I said that um, women feeling like property, I was talking in general, so it's not limited to black women. But uh, to your point, let's um, get into that um, notion that black women are suffering like white women. Um, well, part of the argument that you're gonna get and um, One of the things that I study is logic in in a person's argument, and um, one of the arguments that you're going to get is that um, if white women are feeling that type of sentiment, that I was talking about feeling like property, then certainly the history shows that black women weren't even considered in that suffrage in that struggle, yet they were going through even immeasurable more than white women were suffering. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because they weren't even considered a, a part of, for instance, in voting, the the reason for voting is, is empowerment, but what uh, black women weren't even considered though although they were going through more harshness in society and, and social justice that empowerment that white women were going for didn't even have them in yeah, mind but,
2: but, but, but i think the difference is that white women were looking to be valued in their relationships at home i don't think that that was the case in terms of black women i don't think that like that black women were feeling that same and white women because
1: black women But do you see that that the black women's struggle would be even worse than what white women endured? I don't. I don't. And the reason why I don't is because black
2: men didn't have the same
1: level of power. I don't understand that.
2: Okay. Uh, so this told the truth. So I can understand a, a white woman still feeling his value because her white man, her husband, was a sole provider. You know, he, you know, everything that happened in the household um, came through him. That wasn't the case for black women. Black women were as much of a provider as a black man. Both of them were. What are you saying? It it, it, it wasn't a case of uh, the black man being the sole provider, him going out to work, him bringing the money home, him paying all the bills. That wasn't the case. The the black man and the black woman were in a fight together and they were providing together. There was no real. Um, uh, sense of power, um, I feel as, I, I don't think it's fair to balance the white female and white male to the black female and the black male in during those time. I, I don't, I, 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 think that if you try to measure those things up together, I think that. It, 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 I think, it becomes a end
1: all. I can see where you're going with your argument, but are you saying that historically, um, black women didn't endure more than than white women in terms of uh, rights, privilege, and marginalization, just being ignored by society?
2: No, I agree hundred percent. They right
1: so we should have more sensitivity when it comes to saying what they're saying even though we don't feel that it it is the same struggle white and uh, white men versus white women compared to black women versus black men um i don't think we want to get in the position where we want to be right on one angle of that meaning, and you're absolutely correct that it's not the same struggle. Um, black male versus black female is not the same struggle as white female versus white male. But there is, trying to be right for that argument puts us in a position where we're saying that um, this the black woman's struggle of being ignored through all of this history that we just discussed in the first segment and in this sec- segment should not put them in a position where they are angry at black men. Yeah,
2: you know, I'm I I I'm not in a position to feel like I can answer that question. Because I always think that they're them. Um, I think that if they feel that they should be, then um, like
1: I, I don't
2: want really to get in the way of that. Yes, sir. Um, but because, I, you know, I don't want a man man, man spawning that for them. Right. I don't think that's fair. Right? Because I think that, um, uh, you know, I will give you time back. Um to you know, to make you know, I celebrated um sixteen years with marriage with, with my wife. Congratulations. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, and she and I still we we still disagree, um, wholeheartedly about perspectives as a to be and women. Uh,
0: and
2: you know, I, what I know is that, you know, she's been very passionate about some things with women, that I'm not a woman, so I don't understand it, and I can't get it. And, and even though, you know, what I do for a living is, you know, talk to people psychologically, um, but when I hear a, some of the things that she says, to me, psychologically, it doesn't make sense. And, and it's coming from, you know, it's not coming from a technical place. It comes from an emotional place. And so, I, and so for me, it's hard for me to have a conversation because, you know, I think she's looking for an agreement as opposed to a logical argument. And I don't think that she wants the argument to be logical. I think she wants the argument to be, or the conversation to be emotional. And, and, and it's hard for me to do that. Because my training she teaches me, okay, well, so this, 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 this be it. But she wants to have a conversation with me saying, well, I feel like this. I, I, you know, it's hard for me to do that. Now, if I was an engineer or an attorney or something like that, it would be different Because I wouldn't have the skills. You know, my skill set wouldn't do that. But my skill set, my training teaches me to think psychologically about things. So I'm, I'm i automatically think when I'm having a conversation with someone, you know, I'm automatic my mind when I'm listening to you tell me certain things, if you, if you say I'm having difficulties with social skills, I'm having difficulties with relationships you know, I'm having difficulty, um, morally. My mind starts to go to t- my, my train. So I'm thinking Coldwell, I'm thinking P.O.J., I'm thinking Signature, Barrett, Barrett, Bandura, I that's where my mind is at. But if you come to me and tell me, you know, if it, so if you're me, um, please think, um, uh see, okay, so if you come in and say something that's psychological, like you say, well, um, I don't think this person is thinking correctly about this. Well, you know, my mind will do something different because one,
1: you right back or you can stay on the line, brother. Peace to the universe. DFN Universe, Black Power Thinking at 4.28, almost 4.30 a.m., something that you won't hear every day. I would like to remind the audience that uh, this is a meeting of the minds between two black men that have had this conversation for years. We are now only putting it out into the universe to have this conversation with you. And while these are serious topics, we are a comedy and not a reality. So do not construe anything that we say as advice or um, law. Given that little... um, uh, what do they call that? Uh, precaution. Um, caveat. Right, caveat. There you go. That's the perfect word for it. Thank you, but Dr. Moore. Um, I, the only reason I said that is not from anything that you said, but um, just to give people who may have never heard this podcast an introduction into who we are. And I think I have to constantly remind people who we are because there are new people listening every day. Um, I wanted to have um, more of a discussion, but um, since this is the last segment and we have, like, uh, we overextended for the um, previous section by 10 minutes, um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to get out any thoughts you had for this week since this is the last podcast of the week.
2: Yeah, but I, I don't really have any um anything I really want to get out I you know I, I just come around I think week um just kinda of flow with the conversation on uh, I and mean, you know I again mean, a lot in all the conversations that that them they aren't pre-scriptish you know I've I been with you whatever know, topic you know you give me uh, so I don't really have um you know I don't really come with um these the time or two I have um is there anything I, I think that I would you know, the cut talk about, it, it would probably be the confusion around, um, the COVID shot. And whether or not people should get it or not get it. Um, and then I, I wouldn't add, I'm not advocating one way or other. But I think there's a lot of discussion. I think there's a lot of uh, discussion about, um, whether people should get vaccinated or not get vaccinated. Uh, maybe it's worth five minutes of discussion. Uh, maybe not, um, but, uh, if, if there was anything off the top of my head, uh, you know, I, I, I talk about, but I, um, I, I, think that when, when we talk about, we talk about so many different things, because the conversation goes, it's kind of a structure. Yes,
1: maybe sir.
2: It's kind of a structure, know, a you
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm open. It's interesting that you brought up the um, COVID shot because um, I was also looking at um, uh, another comedian. Since this is a comedy show, (laughs) another comedian that um, Eddie Griffin. You remember Eddie Griffin? Was Eddie Griffin? You remember that comedian, the, the black comedian Eddie mm-hmm. Group. He was uh, one of his comedy sessions. He brought up the fact that, um, in spite of all of this COVID and danger, that um, um, homeless people do are not required to wear masks, and uh, they seem to be surviving and thriving. Despite, hell. and let's remind the audience that this is just a joke. This is just dark American comedy. So play along with us while we have this conversation in the audience. Um, he was saying that um, homeless people do n- are not required to wear a mask, and they're not suffering from COVID. Um, and I said, the reason that I thought it was interesting that you brought up the conversation of COVID shots, um, there's a patent um, that, um, that I had to look up to verify um, fact-checking on um, this um, patent um, filed in the U.S. Patent Office for a... Um, some type of um chip that is being made by microsoft that will allow you to track people and record people based on um this chip that will be some be in their smartphone um based on that pattern which has um, 666 in it. It doesn't start with the the numeral 666, but um, the serial number for the patent that was filed has three sixes in it somehow. So anyway, this whole 666 um, Microsoft patent by Bill Gates turned into a conspiracy theory that um, Bill Gates has um, filed a uh, patent for a COVID vaccine that can be injected into a person and that chip is injected with the vaccine. I thought it was hilarious how we, as Black people, will read something like that and accept it as fact without having to check for uh, actual facts on the on a matter.
2: Hmm. Um well I think up to work common. you know, I, I don't I don't want to say anything that can't be actually facts. <laughs> um you know so again the comedy then sounds like comedy. <laughs> but, um, you know, I you know, and, and uh, you know, I just want to be really careful too as a trick. Who I am and why the, the way I respond to things uh um, and which causes me a lot of problems. I know they cause me a lot of problems. It causes me problems if you know the, in terms of my communication with people because I you know I'm sometimes I'm way too serious. I tend to i to lighten up a little bit when I drink. But even when I'm drinking, I'm still serious. And so I don't even even know what that's about because, again, you know, I come from, you know, a school of hanging out with you and, you know, other was living so I'm, you know, like joking about my is not something that I was really young about. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm always serious and then I get in those conversations with you knew, you know at late night nice and having a drink but I feel I'm, I'm not, been extremely serious. Uh, and, and what's weird about I is mean, you know, have an intellectual conversation while still drinking. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's weird to me. So, yes, um, uh, I, I don't even know how to quantify what you just said because, <laughs> you know, I, to me, I, it needs, it needs to be accepted and I don't, it sense to me. Be because I don't know, I, you know, I want to consider the choice and I don't know what the truth is. So I'm like, you know, it, it's leaving me at a, you know, like I can't entertain the conversation because I don't, I, you know,
1: I don't know the choice. You're right. It's probably Facebook, um, because that's where all of the um, misinformation comes from, as far as I'm concerned, which is one of the reasons I hate to go on there, um, because it, it, it brings up the, the the fact that you mentioned last segment about emotional thinking, um and i compare it to logical thinking and i think that logical thinking is superior and that's a danger word right there because you'll get into an argument with people because they're saying um well you can't discount a person because they're thinking emotionally and they're right but um if you want something done you have to be able to remove your emotion and decide what to do based on logic in order to g- gain an advantage. With- uh,
2: so you just lost you, 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 you the whole one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just lost the whole in you, Any you, you potential listener or anybody is going to be The reason why I say mean, you, know, you just lost it is because. You know, it, 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 you know, component teaching teaching is about the five percent, eighty five percent of everything. And basically anybody listening is probably gonna be the eighty five percent and just call kind of, calling in the eighty five percent turns them home so they just cut off
1: the listen. Yes sir and well, funny so, thing, gay you know, I'm just
0: saying chosen. Um, people already feel uh, judged and they
2: all already feel um, uh, biased and they all already feel uh, judged. So now, you know, you start talking from a different level of intellect, you know, already kind of, you know, superior to them.
1: Indeed, indeed. I wish to lose them further by saying um, the nation um, had Sister Taineta Muhammad shout out to Sister Taineta Muhammad stay in peace. She has passed from this realm into the ancestral realm but she had um, a theme to all of her uh, teachings it was the number nineteen uh, yes sir okay. i don't know if you remember her her uh, lectures on, uh, the number nineteen i thought it was weird at first but um interestingly enough during all of my research tonight um because she had the um Uh, one of the additional themes to her her lectures in the Nation of Islam was not only the number 19 but how women would be empowered by adhering to that number or at least recognizing it in the universe and uh, interestingly enough women's rights came it was ratified in 1919 and became law in 1920 and um there's a couple of other 19s that i watched tonight with my own eyes that were significant to uh women's struggle and um i thought it was just something that she was just saying emotionally but it it has some tie to women's history and black women's history not only in the United States, but across the world. Yes, yes sir. Yes. Yes. And interestingly enough, um, when they repealed the um, the prohibition laws, the abstinence from alcohol, the um, making alcohol illegal. In 1920, um, 1919 actually, Uh, 1918 actually was the year that they made alcohol illegal and the the women's rights movement were part of that um, movement to make alcohol illegal for the reason that um, men were coming home and beating up their wives, so they had a Christianity movement that was adamantly opposed to the consumption of alcohol, and it became law in 1918, and while that became law, people like um, Ellen um, Hamilton were also advocating for women's rights to be passed and the right to vote, which came about past December 4th, 1933. I mean, this, uh, what is it? I'm uh, getting my facts wrong. Um, that was passed in 1919. and became law in 1920. Um, I thought that was very interesting, very coincidental. But um, there's a... There's a um, I know we simply say vagina power, um, and some people say, oh, what's that? That's another social construct. Um, But there is a certain power, and it's not really the vagina that does it, but there's a certain power in the universe that um, whether we recognize it or not, women are a force to be reckoned with. Your thoughts or comments in this last segment. We're at the seventeen minute mark. Okay. Um I don't know,
2: but I I I I, I think Major Power is is a word. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um Butana Power is just that it is it is powerful. Um, mm-hmm. um it, 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 it has been um, instrumental in starting wars and ending wars. Mm. Um, I think the Honorable Obama, the Honorable Obama had it correct. When he said that that
1: heaven lies at the feet of the, of the woman. That is
2: correct. Now... Uh, now, i tell you the other side of that um, is the streetlight tells you something different. Mm-hmm. And the street light tells you, well, it only tells you the same thing, but it tells you that in a different way. Right. You yeah. the teaching teaches you that heaven around at the feet of, of the black woman, in that, you know, uh intercourse with heard is heaven. Yeah. <laughs> the street light teaches you something different. Street light te- teaches you to manipulate that. <laughs> street light teaches you teaches you that yeah um that that's heaven. But that's heaven for weak yes. Yeah. So if you're weak then then you know then I think the profit alter you because you are weak and 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 then realize that because you're weak then I can take advantage of you because of this golden uh a street that (laughs) I have. So um for me, I, I think that, um, you know, having had the blessings of both, that um, the last thing in the world a woman could do in terms of manipulating me, I've always felt both right, Um is of a job. of me, you know, have job is not going to move me, shake me. In in shape, form, or fashion. Because it's, I always feel like if that's the best you got to give, then that's nothing to me. Because I get a whole lot of that. And I've always got a whole lot of that. But what women know is that a man that does not get a whole lot of that, but does get that when he can get it, To manipulate him for that -hmm. so then that man becomes a john that man then becomes a person to be taken advantage of and depending depending on the maturity of the woman has everything to do with the relationship because then the sex becomes the dominant factor in the relationship and then it begins to dominate the relationship and for me, you know, one thing nothing was than ever going to let my relationship back. Mm. Because I always knew that, at the end of the day, sex was not a challenge for me. I, I could, you know, I could get that from you know, here, there, whatever. Um, but for men who did not possess those things cute, then
1: those men were reliculated by, by sex. Because they were only getting sex from one place. Yes, sir. We are at the 21-minute mark in DF and Universe. its four four nine 4-4-9 a.m. And we are doing some logical thinking. And uh, we just talked about um, this uh, woman... Ellen Hamilton that was um, engaged in a a sexual relationship with a man and she was ridiculed for it um, and instead of uh, allowing that to break her down, she became one of the leaders of uh, women getting the right to vote and women's um, age of consent. Being um, transformed to from as little as seven in some states to 18 in the uh, United States. That was her contribution to um, women's empowerment. And um, the age of consent is the one thing that has been a, 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 a literal empowerment for women um, to regain their power not only in the united states but um, their influence throughout the globe um, any last words and would you like to come back for a bonus round at 450 a.m Uh can you hear me yes sir uh go
2: about your went out <laughs> but uh I would absolutely not want to come
1: back for four fifty eight. I think I want to go to bed Um I, I understand.
2: But but what I will say
1: is that this has been a weird week. <laughs> Hello? And this shit is cut off again. If you can hear me. Um, take out your ear pods and see if you can talk. Uh, Vagina powers in full effect, people. And uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Peace to the